Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Part of John's role within his denomination included traveling to rural areas of the state. It was there he would help facilitate funerals for um, congregations that didn't actually have a church building. So on the weekends, he'd often go out and he'd park at the local funeral home director's uh, place, and he'd ride around in the hearse as they would minister to families and hold funerals um, in those rural settings. One afternoon, as they were on their way back from one such funeral, John was particularly tired. He knew they had a long drive ahead, so looking back to an empty hearse, he thought, why not? So he climbed in the back, stretched out, and took a nap. This is actually a true story, and I, I kid you not, it gets better. Well, on the way back in their drive, they passed a filling station, and the funeral home director had to pull over and refuel the hearse to make it all the way back to the funeral home. As he did, um, this poor attendant came out to check on them, and with a shock, looked in the back of this hearse with this body just stretched out, <laughs> wondering what this was all about. So as he proceeded to help refuel the hearse, somewhere in the midst of that process, John woke up, and he sat up, tapped on the glass, and waved at the attendant. <laughs> and when he did, he said, I have never seen anyone run so fast in their lives, leaving the pump just hanging from the side of the hearse. In many ways, it's true. We never expect to find life where we see death. We don't have any context for that. And yet that's at the very heart of who we are as Christians. Every Sunday we gather, not just on Easter, but every Sunday we gather, we celebrate the joy of the Lord's resurrection week in and week out until Jesus returns. And central to that is this very odd idea that in the midst of death, we find life. And I think sometimes we proclaim it, we understand it intellectually, but um, we don't really fully grasp the reality of the resurrection. So if we could look back at perhaps one of the most familiar texts in Scripture, at least Mark's account of it in Mark 16, for just a moment, if you turn there with me in your Bible or you follow along on the screens for those of you in person, I think there's three lessons that arise from the reality of the resurrection that we often overlook. They're so high level, they, they miss us because we're so familiar with this story, and we lose sight of the fact that in the midst of death, there stands life. The passage opens with these three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, who all had three miraculous encounters with Jesus. In fact, if we look back in uh, the works of Jesus in those three years, each and every one of them um, bears witness to what Jesus had done in their lives. They had left everything from those profound encounters to follow Jesus and the rest of his earthly ministry. They'd sat at Jesus' feet. They'd heard his teaching about this very moment with increasing clarity in the final two weeks. They'd seen others' lives miraculously change. They'd seen the impossible happen. And yet now, they are left questioning. 
They had stood at the foot of the cross as Jesus was crucified. They were perhaps the three last people waiting there to see what would happen next as Jesus' lifeless body is taken down. They followed from a distance as Jesus was laid in the tomb, and then they watched the stone rolled in front of it, and then they went home and sat in grief, in silence, and in shock. Those first 24 hours must have been painstaking. After the Sabbath had crossed on that Saturday night, they went out to buy spices knowing that they would come the next morning to do what could not be done because of the Sabbath, namely to finalize the burial preparations that would ultimately lead to moving the bones to a place post-first burial in the tomb later on. And so they leave, and we see that on the way there in verse 3, they're discussing the big problem that faces them, the boulder quite literally in their way. How do they get in to do what they need to do? How do they get in to see Jesus? And I share this because I think we miss perhaps the most obvious thing in the midst of this text. We, we kind of gloss over this and we get to the fun part if we put it that way. Um, but we miss what is quite clear, namely that the first reality of the resurrection is this. It was unexpected. They didn't go to the tomb expecting to encounter our resurrected Lord. They didn't go to the tomb looking for Jesus to stand triumphant. They went to the tomb, what? With spices in hand. They still think he's gone. They still don't know what comes next, and they're waiting to see what might happen. The impossible although they had encountered it in their own lives, although they had even seen it in the lives of others, although they'd even heard Jesus talk about it, had not yet fully registered. And they go to the tomb as those grieving, waiting to go see one who had passed just one more time. And I share that because I think the same could be said of our own lives as we reflect on that. We don't expect to see life in the midst of death, most evidently, quite literally. I mean, that's what we hold central every time we gather in a resurrection liturgy for those who have passed this life. But also, we don't expect to see life where relationships are dead, maybe where we have spoken things or in our action or perhaps inaction have seen families rent apart, maybe our own, our spouses, our brothers and sisters, our lifelong relationships torn. We think it's dead. It can't come back. Nobody expects in their own struggle or those in their family with struggling addictions that has so destroyed their life that in the midst of death, there could ever come life. Nobody expects that those in our culture, in the culture around us that is so fixed on death, that so devalues human life, could ever see a change that from that death could come life. Nobody expects in the midst of our culture with all that divides us that there could ever be anything that comes from it. There could ever be life from it. Nobody expects the resurrection. But yet in the midst of that, in the midst of all of those examples I just named briefly, I see faces. I see stories. I see movements. I see organizations that say otherwise. Because this day, we're first reminded that there is the empty tomb and yes, indeed, from death can and will come life, but only through Jesus. And as we reflect on that reality, this first step that it's unexpected is just the first tip of the iceberg. 
as they begin, these women, back in the text, to sink in a little bit more with what they are beholding. And I think there's another lesson found in it. If we turn back to verse 4, upon the arrival of the women at the tomb, they're indeed shocked. Indeed, they find the unexpected. Their original problem is already no longer a problem. The stone is rolled away. Perhaps equally alarming is the two guards that were there when they left are gone and now replaced by what Mark calls this young man. We know this angelic host who is sitting at the entrance waiting for their arrival. His presence alone must have been startling enough. And as is the case with all angelic greetings, his first words are, do not be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Jesus, who is crucified, whom you seek, is no longer here. Yes, he was dead. Yes, all hope seemed lost. But no, you aren't dreaming, and he is not here. He is risen, just as he said. See, as he would motion, we would guess in that moment, to the place where they had seen Jesus' lifeless body laid. See, that's where they laid him, and he's no longer there. As he concludes with that explanation of what has happened, I envision that those women are so fixed on that place where Jesus was laid that they're still reeling with all that is before them. And I think we miss another very obvious lesson in the midst of that, and it's this, that not only is the resurrection unexpected, but at this point, it's unseen. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus, in all the gospel accounts, doesn't immediately appear. He doesn't say, I'm here. But actually, he's not present for that pivotal moment. He's not actually on the scene at that particular point. Yes, he comes later. Yes, the other gospel writers note that he appears and they think he's a gardener. But in that moment, they have to wrestle with their own doubts and unbelief. They have to wrestle with all that's racing through their mind. Are we dreaming? Did we come to the right place? Did we leave in the wrong direction? Is this really true? All of that racing through their mind required a huge measure of faith before the full weight, the full reality of the resurrection fully sunk in. They don't yet fully see the reality of the resurrection. I think that's helpful for us. Because we look at um, scriptural accounts and we think, how might it have been, how wonderful might it have been if we could be like them? And in many ways, we are like them. In many ways, um, we know, yes, the resurrection changes everything. Sure, yes, it's, it's unexpected. But in the unseen moments from where there still is death to where we hope to see life, resurrected relationships loved ones that have passed this life, all these sorts of examples that run through our mind, it requires an equal measure of faith to indeed believe that that will come to pass. And even in the midst of life, not just a faith of one day, yeah, we know all that will be set right, but no, indeed, Jesus in this moment sets into motion what he's doing right now to this day and will do until he stands back on the face of the earth and all is made well. He's redeeming and restoring it all. And so we're called to not only just ponder, but pray and even persevere in faith in spite of everything that would tell us otherwise. It's never going to amount to anything. It can't ever be fixed. All the lies that the enemy will tell us, it won't ever get better. An apology won't ever fix it. You can't ever get out of your addiction. The culture is just going to hell in a handbasket. Forget about it. I mean, whatever it is, 
And yet there stands the empty tomb to say, no, no, that's not true. On this day, everything changed and everything is changing. Would we have faith to believe it? And would we have faith to actually walk into it? Because he's going to do it, whether we hold to that in our own hearts or not. But how much more valuable and meaningful is life if we walk through it with such faith to see what God can do in the ways in which he moves mountains? And I believe that moment, that unseen moment is pivotal because it brings us to the final moment back in verse 7, in the final words of the angel, which are a command, go. Go and tell the disciples and Peter, especially Peter. Peter, who at that moment was in his darkest place, having been the closest confidant to Jesus. Not only is Jesus physically gone, but he thinks that relationship is irreparable. There's nothing that can happen. He denied Jesus in the time of need, even though he knew he would do it. He still did it, even though he was told it would happen. And yet he's wallowing in that. And there in God's mercy is the specific moment. Go tell the disciples and Peter, especially Peter, what Jesus is doing. That that relationship will be restored as we look at in the next couple weeks on the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus then at that point will redeem that relationship and restore that relationship by breaking bread with them once more. And as they process that, notice all of the emotions captured in verse 8 alone. Notice these words. They trembled. They were astonished. They were seized by what heard them. And they left saying nothing. They were utterly speechless. And yet, in that moment, they're faced with the reality of the resurrection that it's not only unexpected, it not only is unseen in this moment, but they grapple with the fact that it's undeniable. Jesus is not there. Here is this angelic being telling them to go, go and tell the disciples. And so what do they do? They flee that place and they run by everyone early in the morning, perhaps some of the disciples themselves, and they go back and they process that. And thanks be to God, they didn't remain silent for long because then indeed Peter and James and John and the rest then come and see what this thing is that God has done. And it's overwhelming. And I think that's a great final point for us today. The resurrection is undeniable. It is something that we have to cling to in the moments of faith when it's unseen. We have to hold fast to it. It's not just a metaphor, as some would like it to be, or some moment that we spiritualize, but it is a concrete historical truth that changed the world as we know it and continues to change the world as we know it. And if the seemingly impossible happens, that from death comes life, then when we invite Jesus more fully into those areas that we see are dead in our own lives or in the lives of others, how much more can he turn around hopeless situations, hopeless cultures, insurmountable odds in the face of them all? There's the reality this morning that changes everything. So this morning, I'd implore you, I'd beg you, do not walk away from this place having sat in the face of this reality, not just intellectually, yeah, 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 we're Christians, it's church, but no, really. And if, if all you're at right now is, well, it's really kind of unexpected, that's okay. Sit there and be there in prayer before the Lord. If it's, God, I don't get it, I know it, I believe it, but I can't see what you're doing, 
then in tears and in crying out, be in that posture before the Lord and do not give up because this day tells us that God will redeem it. And if you're just in this place of awe and wonder, don't ever let the world steal your hope. Stay in that place when you go back time and time again to a place where I know he's acted, but it's been a while. Go back to that place and don't doubt it, but stay there. Remind yourself we're a people that remember with signs and symbols what God has done and what he is doing. Don't leave this place unchanged and don't leave this place and walk out these doors and gloss over it and get back to life as usual, but let it reform, reshape your days. My friends, Christ is risen indeed as we proclaim this day and the next 50 days throughout Easter, and that changes everything. Let it change everything today, because while it's not yet fully seen, we know it will be. And may we not miss out on the fullness of life in the process to getting there, where one day we will gaze our eyes upon our risen King, who stands triumphant as He stands over the face of the earth in His kingdom for all eternity. And so that's why, with hopeful voices, we will say for the next 50 days, and every day we gather on Sunday mornings, um, in some variation. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.